right, game on. Game on. All right, so I guess we can start off with uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers embarrassing the AFC North uh, on Sunday night against Well, Kansas what a teams. great place to start. Um, I'll tell you what, for about 20 minutes, yeah. it looks really good there. Um, I told, I'll tell you what, um, through the first couple drives, because I can't remember if Kansas City went three and out, the, like the first three drives or whatnot. But even before the TJ Watt touchdown, the first touchdown of the game, like Pittsburgh's <laughs> going to find a way to win this goddamn game. And it's going to be the whole storyline is going to be about Big Ben uh, winning when he wasn't supposed to. And then they were going to get absolutely smoked in the divisional round. I thought for sure. Well, that, that would have been happen. fitting because we were the yo-yo team of the NFL this <laughs> year. I mean, we just uh, we were just the most. Yeah. I feel like we were the worst team to bet on this year, all season long, because we were so unpredictable. And one week we one week we looked like we were turning the quarter. The next week we looked terrible. I, I feel like those who decided to bet on the Steelers this year. Uh, probably lost a lot of money because they had no idea what they were looking at. So that would have been fitting. But uh, it, I, I tell you what, if we won I'll that game, you, that's probably what would have happened, even though I was I was starting to daydream about what it would have been like to play the Titans. I'm like, you know what? Derrick Henry in his first game back <laughs> off of a massive foot injury. I, I was starting to talk myself into it. Like, you know what? Yeah, I was – I was like, all Already right, so who does that put us up? Oh, do we have the Bengals in the in the AFC Championship game? They can't beat us three times in a row. So I was, like, planning the trip to the Super Bowl. Um, however, uh, things got in the oh, way. And, oh, it's, it's always, always a fun, a fun game, game when you're just watching the other team's receivers run wide open. And I, I got into a, yeah. a one-versus-all uh, discussion in one of the gr- group chats about just <laughs> how good Patrick Mahomes is, and I, I was, uh, I was saying like, look, man, he's got a lot of talent. I really like his mobility. No one ever talks about that, but he he extends a lot of plays with his legs, and he's very he is very good at escaping sacks and just he's very good at throwing the ball away. His, right. his, he makes great decisions for the most part. Although this year was the the one year where we actually saw him kind of get greedy he's... and make bad decisions. But man, I right. anyone who watched that game knows that the Chiefs had about seven screen passes go for fifteen plus yards, and Patrick Mahomes' receivers were wide open. Hmm. I contend that the real mastermind behind the success is Andy Reid. I don't care if Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick weren't doing that because Andy Reid's Eagles teams didn't look like this. Alex Smith's Chiefs teams didn't look like this. Whatever the case is, Patrick Mahomes' receivers are wide open all the time. And and it it was so perfect because when we were discussing this, as I was discussing how, like, you know, I was like, oh, Baker Mayfield goes to the Chiefs, he becomes infinitely better. Kyler Murray goes to the Chiefs, he's instantly a top-five quarterback, and we're not even debating it. And as we're doing all this, Travis Kelsey throws a touchdown. So it was just the most perfect timing of, like – like so many people could do his job. Uh, I mean, yeah, his, his receivers and the scheme definitely make his job easier. I wouldn't go as far as the, what you're saying, 
but I know, but I, I, I get your point. Uh, by the way, the Steelers went eight and nine against the spread this year, but um, it's Patrick Mahomes still makes some of the most, not some of the most incredible throws I've ever seen because he's really just the first. He's like the first of like the Aaron Rodgers mold. Like the first person we can point to is like that guy is inspired by Aaron Rodgers, or he plays the exact same way. As he Aaron does. Rodgers. That's why I see Patrick Mahomes because. Uh... Who, who he, he looks like he plays backyard. I would say Brett Favre. I guess he looks like he's playing backyard football. He's running around. He's he he's throwing across. Did There'd you see the throw that he tried to make where he's he's on the right hash and he's trying to throw to the left numbers and he's rolling out and I mean it should have been a catch but it went through the guy's arms and of course our cornerback whoever it was, probably was Joe Hayden get yeah up and does the incomplete sign and like celebrating. When it was just a dropped ball, but I mean, although it was good coverage, but I, I just he, he breaks a lot of rules. He he throws it deep down the field all the time. The problem, my problem is, is that half of his stats are screen passes, and all of his receipt. I I swear, and I tried to look this up. My my go to website, as we discussed, is teamrankings.com. dot com. Right. I could not find any stats on which teams lead the league in yards after catch because I was I was on the hunt for a stat that would just throw that in the face of all my friends because there was no one who was agreeing with me about how overrated he is. I'm not saying he's talentless, that, I that's, not to say that, but I, I believe that there are a lot of QBs who would infinitely be thought of uh, much higher than they are right now your quarterback being one of them because he's dealing with open receivers and re- and screen passes that go for 15 to 20 yards. So that was an interesting discussion, and I was all like Baker, Baker Mayfield can't complete passes to a wide-open Odell Beckham Jr. I, I don't know if he's going to complete passes to Tyreek Hill, wide-open Tyreek Hill. There's nothing to believe that Baker Mayfield could do with what Patrick Mahomes could do. Although I just did find the yak leaders in the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs are number one, uh, 2,700, 2, but number two is Tampa Bay, and they're only 77 yards behind them. And then there's a pretty big drop between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Oh, well, uh, is this on ESPN? Uh, NBC Sports. I just looked up Yak leaders. Yak team leaders, I mean. I am going to throw this in the face of all of my friends. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Too. Yeah, confirmed. But um, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. That that offense is. I don't want to say the best offense because I'm not smart enough to say that or just know that. But it's one of the more impressive schemes I've ever seen, just from my naked eye. But, but Mahomes is like. Outside of Rodgers, is probably one of the best arm talents we've seen. Maybe not ever, but in a, quite a long time. Uh, when I said that he's he's of the Aaron Rodgers mold, it's because of his arm talent. You mentioned Brett Favre, and now that I'm thinking about it, he's kind of a combination of both. Where I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers is a like a gunslinger like Brett Favre, but I think that people who were born before us would say John Elway because I know that he ran around and he yeah. chucked the ball as far as he could every time. So They're kind I, of that's probably who, other, who people older than us would say. Yeah, we mentioned that Mahomes is sneaky, very mobile, and he is. He's kind of 
he's kind of mobile in the same way. Aaron Rodgers is kind of the same. Aaron Rodgers is pretty pretty good on his feet. Well, once upon a time, he was like a, a borderline runner. They would actually they they would give him read options on like third and four, and he he'd do it. And uh, I, I remember one game, I had him in fantasy football, and uh, he had one game against the Falcons where he ran for eighty yards, and it was just miraculous. <laughs> Let's see, he had his career. Yeah, I mean, beginning of the year, he was picking up three hundred fifty yards a season for a little bit. And with like five touchdowns, and then it obviously he hasn't gained over 200 yards since 2018. This, but he has 3,372 career rushing yards and 34 touchdowns. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, this this is just a, a fun conversation of trying to like make all these quarterback comparisons. I feel like he's never Matt, thrown Mike, 50 touchdowns. I feel like Mike Mayock who. Is the best uh, NFL draft analyst we've had, and by God, he better be coming back. Oh no, he got fired. Yep, he better he better be coming back to the NFL oh, Network or somewhere. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he, I, he better be doing draft coverage in three months. I agree. I always thought I, I remember writing an article like very long, like the first week I was at Lines, and I was talking about the Raiders. I talked about Mike Mayock at ESPN. I don't know why I keep thinking he was at ESPN. He never was. It was the NFL Network and NBC. Yeah. He was actually calling Notre Dame games in the early 2010s. Speaking of calling, I'm watching uh, North Carolina and Miami basketball right now because I have money on it. And it's on, the ACC, yeah, it's on the ACC Network, but uh, Fowler's calling this game. I will say this. The ACC Network is one of – the most high school networks I have ever seen in my life. Oh, it's the most Mickey Mouse operation I've ever seen. It's. I had to watch Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, and I don't know who on earth designated a Notre Dame football game to the ACC network when we have fans all over the country willing to tune in. This year? Yeah, in football. I I was watching that game at a bar, so. It was the Tyler Buckner game, actually. It was the the game after Drew Pine saved us against Wisconsin. Well, actually, it was the game after Cincinnati. But Tyler Buckner actually played most of that game. Then Jack Cohn came back in and actually ran like a game-winning drive and saved his entire job. But anyway. Sure did. That was the game I discovered that the ACC network just sounds like it has a high school soundboard and has high school engineering behind it. I have oh, yeah. no idea how a network that is supposed to be that big, or tr- and I I believe it, it is possibly connected to ESPN in some way. Well, clearly, if Fowler, if Fowler's Yeah, it is. Right it's not, it's, not, it's uh, not Fowler. It's, um, oh, who's the other guy? Reese Davis. Reese Davis. Reese Davis. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> yeah, they seem like the same person because they do all the same they jobs. Do. It's kind of hilarious. Um, but... This their sound quality is awful, and they are allegedly connected to the worldwide leader. It makes no they sense. Are. I, I it's, it, it's it's asinine. It's them and the SEC network. Yeah, and the S, the They're SEC network, network is just the Paul Bo- the Paul. No, uh, there's a Longhorn network though. There is, I, that's also with ESPN. I think I have it. Like, uh, uh, it's my provider. Oh, we used to have it when I was younger. 
I remember just watching like Texas baseball or something. How'd you get it here in Ohio? I don't know. I think it was just like I remember when it came out. It may have just been like a promotional thing that they just like, hey, here's the Longhorn Network. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, they have to be the only team with a network, right? That I can think of, that's for sure. Notre Dame doesn't count with NBC. No, it's just the broadcasting rights. Yeah, they didn't create that network for us. No, who would? How many teams out there in college football right now? Do you think, or just college sports in general, but obviously mainly for because of college football, could have their own network? Oh, let's well, let's start with you and me. I think Notre Dame and Ohio State both could. Yes. I mean, the entire idea of just – this only applies to college football, so I don't know why anyone would actually create a television network for for the something only... that takes place on three on three hours on Saturday afternoons in one season. Like, right, but the that, Longhorn that Network is – the Longhorn Network is everything. Like, they broadcast everything Texas there, except for football. I, I know, but my point – well, that's the entire – I feel like that defeats the purpose because I feel like people would only care about football. I think it's more because, well, because basketball, people like watching baseball. College baseball is getting pretty popular over the years. But um, it, you can watch softball, like random ass sports. It's like the Big Ten Network. You can just, like, you can just turn it on. You're watching, like, Wisconsin wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to read about – there's a whole controversies, controversy seg, uh, section on the Longhorn Network Wikipedia page. Oh, hell yes. Uh, there appear eh, – it's not that interesting. It appears to be, like, breaches of contract and based off, oh. like, so-and-so wanted to put 18 high school football games per season, uh, and then this idea caused concern, uh, be, especially – oh, Texas A&M was all hot and bothered that the Longhorn Nobody Network cares. was broadcasting 18 high school – High school football games. Oh, as possible recruiting violations. How oh. interesting that back in the day, Texas A&M was worried that Texas was going to be doing something shady underneath the table to yeah. bring recruits in. That could, that could not have aged more poorly than the $30 million industry that is Texas A&M football recruiting. Oh, brother. Don't tell Darren that. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, he's, he's too busy admiring his... His Rosa Parks trading cards. That was the wildest <laughs> thing I think I've ever seen Darren Ravel do. That was the wildest move ever. It's just from I, I, I think he's innocent. I just enjoy he seeing. Is. He's just stupid. I just enjoy seeing him of all people get thrown under the table for that because yeah. you know that he's gonna get all of them. And he was remember that. Uh, did you see the video where he's like, "All right, you got it." Like he, I was, he was, I was in that Twitter space. Oh, you were in the space? The whole thing. Yeah. He, he, he was really laying down the law and trying to clear his name, and he was getting real heated. And he wasn't doing something like, like you guys misinterpreted it. Here's what I meant. He was, like, really stating his case, and he was letting everybody have it who wasn't listening to him. Yeah. It's it, it just a completely crazy move out of him. That was <laughs> – was that tweet real about the and my yeah. I have black okay oh jeez I mean yeah. he's oh, a, yeah. okay here's where the shame comes in because I I just expect older people to not be real privy to some of the 
the Twitter etiquette that you and I as younger folk are expected to follow because part of me is just like, all right, we get it. They don't. But Darren Ravel, who is uh, on record for being woke very often and is also more so is just on Twitter very often. I feel like he should be he should know the rules by now. By He's been on Twitter. He joined Twitter March of 2009. You should know. He should know what's going what's going on on here. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, he he's he had a controversy about like oh he, a picture was taken of him at a Devils game and he wasn't wearing a mask and then of course he got into like a a two hour long Twitter that was such fight. That's a fake thing. Something. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> I, they're just like po- they're just like pushing his buttons and he. Uh, I I think that's like the root of this is just he doesn't understand when people are trolling him. I no, he absolutely does not. His his Madden self awareness rating is incredibly low. Good lord, I'm looking at his Twitter right now. This is he. He's an awkward. He used to be so. I used to really enjoy him. Well, his content. When he was at was, ESPN, he was very. He was a very enjoyable follow. Um. I honestly don't remember him at ESPN, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, he his his stuff is interesting. It is that, it, it, the the things he posts are interesting. He is just so weird. He had a tweet today that I saw. I almost fell out of my chair. It, I forget what the tweet was. But it had something to do – oh, I think he may have been posting a picture of his collection or whatever, and the top comment was, looks like it's all junk. And it was <laughs> – I just, I just wanted to give – I just wanted to give a standing ovation for uh, for Darren uh, – for uh, whoever commented that because he was, he was sending the, uh, the Rosa Parks and the MLK and whatever collection he has to, to prove his fascination. And uh, – and that's that was something you, possibly the best response I could have heard. That's just something you, you should probably keep to yourself. Yeah, I, he doesn't understand that the, like, all oh, my, my friends are black is, like, that's something that Twitter frowns upon. But, I mean, look, man, if you're going to be on Twitter that much, I expect you to know the rules yeah, of this point. Yeah, no Yeah, he spends quite a bit of time on Twitter, and so he's got a—he has to know the etiquette by now. Oh, cool. I'm, he crossed—he crossed some Twitter etiquette boundaries. I'm just, I'm just scrolling through Twitter on my computer right now. McAfee's going to be on Busting with the Boys this week. Oh, let's go! I didn't watch McAfee's uh, show today. I usually watch it every day. Wow, that's that's dedication. I mean, I, I, well, because, I, I say I say that like I don't have shows that I listen to every day. Yeah. Of course, I do. I mean, because because I, I watch because my TV is right next to my where I work, so I just turn it on. It's just, it starts when I start work and it ends like when I'm halfway done. So, but I didn't watch it today because there's a new show came out. I've been watching that the past couple of days. Um, I'm I'm on Darren Ravel's Wikipedia page. Oh, brother. Uh, he had two controversies, one that's very, very uh, lacking Uh-oh. of detail, which is very unfortunate. But there was a uh, – in November 2009, Ravel made controversial remarks in an article regarding an American athlete, some guy named Meb 
Kef Lazigi. That can't be how that's pronounced, but his first name is Meb, M-E-B. Uh, the first American to win a New York City Marathon since 1982, uh, suggesting he was a ringer. Oh, uh, oh no. I, I don't understand how someone could be a ringer for a competition that they sign up for. But I know exactly why. Oh, oh if, you, if you have context... If you have context to this story, please let me know because I, I, I mean, if he just showed up and won, I mean that seems fair game to me. But what's up? Uh, so this Med guy I'm looking at is, uh, he's he's a, he's an Amer he's an American he's a, he's African American, and calling an African American a ringer in a race is uh, it's, it's, I, not, I, it's, I, not, it's not it's not that's not what he meant, but it's very tone deaf. Uh, yeah, I, I see it. Deadspin made Ravel aware of his mistake. I don't doubt that for a second. Uh, I, I agree Deadspin, with that. Deadspin acts like the FBI of, like, social media. It's so weird. I thought Deadspin had something where, like, they fired everybody or everybody quit. No, they, they – it's – I can't remember what – who owns Deadspin. I think it's Gizmodo, but – they they wanted to unionize, and they and Gizmodo told them no, so they all just quit. And huh, they started that's... this defector. What I, I can't, what I don't remember. What I think it's called like defector media or something like that. It's very bad. It's very bad. I just what? I don't I don't like Deadspin. I think they're just very s- snotty, and I just don't like them. I think Darren Ravel was just jealous because he was a New York City Marathon participant at one point in time. And uh, based off of the 40-yard dash I saw oh, brother. with Indomitian Sue present, I take it he didn't win. So I think there was a little bit of envy going on. Oh, brother. <laughs> Darren Ravel, what a guy. Anyway, yeah. um, the other NFL games that happened this weekend. Uh, I guess we can start with Dallas. Um I don't understand how you call that last play because that was called. That that was. I. I don't get. I that that is, that get whoever lost that game deserved to lose because both teams tried to actively lose that game. Yeah, I I watched very little of this game, admittedly, but I did see Mike McCarthy in a post game press conference, uh, make it very clear that it was the right call, to go with the QB draw and then have everyone hustle up. And he said, so he was complaining about the execution of the team and the officiating to get the ball set, but he absolutely was not questioning his own decision uh, to run the ball directly up the middle of the field with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. So he he just wants everybody to know that. So I played center in high school. And the whole thing, the whole controversy with the officiating at that last play is that the ju- the lo- or the back judge, he's he's the one who spots the ball, so you're supposed to give the ball to him because the play cannot happen unless the back judge touches the football or you know spots it. And Prescott gave it to his center, and the second he gave it to his center, I'm like, he just fucked up because we were taught give it to the line judge wherever and a hurry-up situation, or the back judge if we're ever in a hurry-up situation. Always. And that's high him. school. That's high school. I didn't play that much, and I knew that. 
Yeah, that's well. That just goes to show that. Uh, what I what I would have wondered is if the center accidentally spotted the ball absolutely perfectly, would the back judge just run up, pick the ball up, and put it right back down? Uh, that was just what was going through he my could, mind yeah, when I can. saw that. He can, yeah. It's, oh it's my weird. gosh! The, the controversy like... that would happen over that—if the center actually had the ball spotted correctly and the guy just comes in, picks it up, puts it back down, and oh, they can't get the ball snapped in time—that the world would be lit on fire. I think that is kind of stupid, but if the ref just comes, runs in, sees it's at the correct spot, he says, "All right, fuck it, go." But um, that—that—that's <laughs> that, that, the rule. Like it should have been enforced in the Bengals game with the intercept or the touchdown where the whistle blew. That, you know, the NFL immediately knew the, the rest fucked up when, who was caught, was that MB? Yeah, it was Tariko and uh, Collinsworth, or Breeze, Drew Breeze, um, calling the game. And Tariko said, like, yeah, the NFL is prepared to make a statement after the game on that play. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I thought for sure they were going to say, oh, well, yeah, this was wrong. No, they defended him. But the actual rule is an inadvertent whistle automatically blows the play dead. Nothing like even if the ball is midair, the play is dead. Yeah, that's um, that would have been nice because I was rooting for the Raiders at that point. But I mean, I bet on the Raiders. I was very much rooting for them, and you came close. Very. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to complain about that as someone who was siding with the Raiders. As although it appears that. Uh, now that he is not on a football team, he's able, Will Compton is able to get good guests on his podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'll be very excited for that Pat McAfee episode. But I was siding with the Raiders despite the fact that they cut playoff Willie. Um, oh. I, I know. I was devastated too. But I really don't think that that whistle changed that play. Although by the rule, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I wonder what would have happened. Would they actually have counted that as a sack because Joe Burrow was a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage? Like, if they just blew the whistle, would the ball be spotted where Joe Burrow was holding it? No, it's any inadvertent whistle, then the play, it just didn't happen. The play didn't happen. Gotcha. Okay. That's, 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 I, I don't know if there's any real way you can clear up that rule. Uh, Unless maybe, like, if the ball is in the air when the whistle's blown, then maybe it can be up for, like, interpretation late after the play. But. Yeah, that's that's weird. But I'll tell you what, Jamar Chase uh, oh, had himself God. a pretty solid game again. I don't know how he does it, but he is getting quite a bit of separation from his cornerbacks. And this he might didn't be play football this last year. He might be the best receiver I've seen drafted since Calvin Johnson. Ooh, this is uh, – I'm going to look up some old rookie of the year receivers. In the first round, in the top ten, at least. I mean, he yeah. – I, I mean, he's not, he broke the Bengals' franchise record for receiving yards in a season as a rookie. That's crazy. Well, behind okay. that offensive line. When did he do it? Because these these seventeen game seasons he are broke a little it. bit. He broke it uh, in the Cleveland game. He started the last Cleveland game for like three minutes. It took him two minutes to get it, and they took him out. But still, that's as a rookie, you're putting up fourteen hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns. That's unbelievable. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's he's tearing it up, and I was a skeptic heading into this season, especially with all those drops. And he was talking right. about how well the college football has stripes on it, so it's easier to see. I just a bunch of that, a bunch of nonsense like that. But I, I give credit to him, man. I I was a skeptic heading into the year. I'm never, ever, ever. Well, I shouldn't say never. Uh, for the time being, I am unwilling to give in on the Panay Sewell take. I, I need to see many more years of football before I'm willing to admit that I was wrong about that. Uh, we'll see if Joe Burrow's knee explodes next year. And then we have, uh, I don't know, Andy Dalton coming back to Cincinnati to throw passes to Jamar Chase, whatever. Or Mitchell Trubisky in uh, his second round of starting hey at some point in time. Looked uh, pretty good on that kneel down. The, yeah, he, yeah, he Patriots. did. I'm just saying, it looks he, like a natural got, out there. He got, he got a playoff save. That's what mm, I saw. That's what I'm saying. But um, as of right now, it looks very good for Jamar Chase. We'll see what happens with Panay Sewell. But uh, also, also, man, I, I mean, I know, I know, he's not in the playoffs. But Jalen Waddle had a pretty good year too this year. So uh, yeah, he good. broke the rookie receptions record. Yeah, how fitting that he did it in Miami. He's just replacing Jarvis Landry by getting a bunch of catches right. for a mediocre amount of yards. It's, yeah, let me. <laughs> I always thought he was going to be a guy who racked up yards and not receptions. Just because, yeah, he had 104 receptions for 1,015 yards. Interesting. Okay, there have been. Oh boy! You were, you, what year? What a uh, date were you born on in '98? Your July birthday, right? July 18th. Okay, there have been four wide receivers who have won the Offensive Rookie of the Year award in your lifetime. I'd say two of them are fairly easy to guess. Uh, one is probably hard, and I'd say one is impossible. Do you have any guesses? Uh, for quarter Since for, for you said uh, wide receiver. Yeah, receivers who had their rookie year in '98 or above, or you know, above being okay. 2000s, 2010s. Yeah, so that makes me believe that somebody won it in '98. Um, you got four guesses. I know. I I know for a fact Odell won. That's one. Is the most recent. Yes, he is. He was 2014. See, so 98, because the way you word it, it makes me think somebody won it in 98. I'm just thinking who came out at that time. Yeah, I kind of gave that away. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, who came out at that time? Because even th- this could be just like some asshole that I've never heard of. But um, uh, no, this one should even be more obvious than um, uh, who Odell Beckham Jr. 98. Randy Moss? Two for two. Oh. Okay, so it's in between 2014 and 98. Let's see. I can probably do this backward. I don't know who won 2013. I do know Robert Griffin. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. Holy Moses. Notable fan of Five Guys, Burgers, and Fries, Eddie Lacy. (laughs) My former place (laughs) of employment. Um, I know (laughs) RG3 and Cam Newton went back-to-back in 2012 and 11. Uh, uh, let's see. 2010 is Sam Bradford, so it's the year okay. before. 
Cal- the Calvin Johnson win? No, he that was Adrian Peterson that year. Mm. Do you tell me the year? Two thousand nine. And honestly, that that also makes it really hard. Oh man, who came this out? This is this is the impossible one. This feels like somebody like a one year wonder. Kinda. I will say this. Have a one year, just like his rookie year went off, and then never again. Who? Tavon Austin. No, it's. I'll tell you, it's somebody who. Kind of gives. It's a kind of a Tavon Austin vibe here. Um, He is someone who, like, once a year, everybody starts posting his highlights and talking about him for one day a year, and then we forget he exists every other day of the year. Okay, so he's a speeder. He's our speedster. Yes. That was a nine. Oh, uh, I just had a guess pop in my head, but there's no way he won. But I'm going to go might... with it. Percy Harvin? 100% correct. Is it really? Yes, it is. Wow. I got the what... list now. Wow, I was right. All right, we got 2003. Last one. Oh, there's one more? Yeah, all right. He's a – my hint is that uh, probably like a, a Frank Gore-style Hall of Famer if he gets in, but a someone that you don't really think of as awesome until you look at his career stats. Uh, now retired. I don't think this timeline matches up because I think he was – because I had a guess when you just said that. I don't think the timeline matches up, but is it Steve Smith? No, I actually almost said I almost compared him to Steve Smith. Um, I actually think that Steve Smith may have been considered to be better than this guy. Steve Smith was better than a lot of people, though. Yeah, I guess so. He was so good. Uh, this guy, this guy, I think, was famous for being forced to play quarterback in a bowl game in college. Antoine Randall? No, although as a Steelers fan, oh wait, I love he was that. a quarterback in college. He wasn't forced to, but um, I got no idea, honestly. Anquan Bolden. Yeah, that 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 would be him and Steve Smith. They sat. They just they're just similar people for some reason. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, now I got to look at. A three-time Pro Bowler, but almost 1,100 catches. I'm going to look at Anquan Bolton's reference page now. I wanted him on the Browns when he signed with the Ravens. I remember that. And those Ravens, they had um, – They had they Steve had, Yeah, they may have had Anquan Bolton and TJ Hushman's out at the same time. The Ravens? Yes. In fact, they did. For one year, they did. Huh. I didn't Just know Hushman's out of play though. Yeah, he was a Bengal from 01 to 08, Seahawk in 09, Raven in 10, and Oakland Raider in 2011. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at Anquan Bolton's reference. He had some monster seasons. Yeah, but no one talked about him. You know who had some monster seasons? It's unfortunate I had to remember that he had monster seasons. Is uh, Demarius Thomas. Oh yeah, absolutely. He that, was um, awesome. the three-headed. 
Yeah, but he wasn't like that for very long. Once they, that no, he, his window was very just had like the most high powered offense ever for like two years. They, oh, uh, what happened? One of the, there was the Ravens year, the, the 2012 year where the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then the year that they lost to the year that was one of the most unwatchable Super Bowls ever when oh God. the Broncos just got thrashed by the Seahawks. That was ugly. And that 2012-2013 Denver Broncos offense was one of the best we've ever seen. No, listen to this four-year run he had. And it's right, It's the Peyton Manning years. It's uh, in 2012, which that would have been Manning's first year there. He had 1434 yards, 10 touchdowns. The next Very year, good. he had 1430, 14 touchdowns. The next year, 1619, 11 touchdowns. And then 2015, 1304, six touchdowns. That's crazy. That's a fantastic stretch. I put that, you could put that like the next year, he had a thousand, he still had a thousand yards receiving. You could put yeah, he, that stretch with among anybody in the NFL ever. Yeah, and then, like, three years later, he's, like, bouncing around with the Jets and the Texans, and it's just like, what the heck happened? Yeah, no, he – his last year with Denver – or, no, he he played 2017 all with Denver. He had 946 yards and five touchdowns. And then 2018, I believe he was traded to Houston because he played for both Denver and Houston, and he had about 670 yards and five touchdowns. And then 2019 was his last year. He had 433 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Just missed 10,000 receiving yards by 270 yards. And he did that alongside some good receivers, too. He did that alongside Wes Welker, Eric Decker, and... Manuel Sanders. Manuel Sanders, that's right. Uh, that was... He was in a lot... And Julius Thomas God, for teams. a time. Everyone thought that he was the most awesome tight end ever. And then he yeah. uh, signs a contract with Jacksonville, and his career just dies. Those those Broncos teams, when Peyton Manning was on it, not the year they won the Super Bowl, but those like three to four years that Peyton Manning was still that dude, that was one of the most fun teams ever to watch. They were so good. Well, remember, I, I want to say that it was the first game that Peyton Manning ever played in a Broncos uniform, I think, where it was the seventh time. Yeah, I, I had him I think so. and Demarius on my fantasy football team, and I got to tell you, I was pretty Ooh. excited that year watching those two. Let me look up this game log. I'll tell you what, I have a MacBook now, and do you use Safari? As because I know you have one, do you use Safari? Yeah, I I mostly use Google Chrome, but I can I can I use both. Safari is terrible. Oh. it is! It just won't load half. Huh. It's crazy. I, I use Google Chrome. I at first I defaulted to Safari, but because I thought it was like, oh, it's the main web browser of this computer, so it's probably good. No, it stinks. I use Google Chrome too. I I, I don't know why, but I just prefer yeah, I, Google Chrome. I'll tell you what though, I the MacBook it's like going it's like stepping into heaven when you use first use one. Mm-hmm. It hey, is so oh. fat. Oh, what was I going to look up? Oh. Peyton Manning first game. Peyton Manning first game with Broncos. Let's see. It was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. His. Well, then it must have been the following year. 
Yeah, I, I do remember the seven touchdowns, though. That had to have been the 2013 season then. Because I don't even think I would have taken Peyton Manning as my quarterback coming off of an yeah. entire year where he just didn't play. Just didn't play. With, like, a, a severe injury. At the time, they were calling it career-ending. Yeah, I uh, – uh, that's crazy that he – was it, looking back on it, it's like, oh, Peyton Manning and the Broncos, they were so awesome. But at the time, I mean, I, there were a lot of teams who weren't really interested because they thought that his neck just was so banged up. Who what? It was, it was San Francisco, it was Miami, and it was Denver, I think. Really? I, I, didn't even... I remember, I remember Miami because LeBron was still in Miami at that time, and I. He was trying to recruit him to come to the Dolphins, and Peyton Manning's known for like the silencing the crowd motion. Like he he came up with that, or he I think he just like popularized it. But um, I remember LeBron doing that in a game. He said he did it to get Peyton Manning to come to the Dolphins. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a couple years later, LeBron left. So it's, I, yeah, he sure he did. Should, he should have been trying to get him to go to the Browns. Yeah, listen. That's what I now nah, LeBron's flip flopping NFL fandom, <laughs> cheering yeah. for Odell last night. It's, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, of, of course LeBron is going to support the Rams. What are you talking about? Exactly, and uh, people need to stop taking his NFL fandom seriously. He's not a Browns fan. He's not people a need to stop fan. taking everyone's NFL fandom seriously. Yeah, it's, oh, especially they're showing all the celebrities in the crowd at, at SoFi Stadium as if all of them are the huge football fans and huge Rams Not even fans. that. It's just, who cares who roots for who? Yeah, uh, well, you know, that's a good point. For, yours, man. Like, like, for example, if you're a Steelers fan living in Ohio. Well, look, <laughs> hey, man, I, I agree with you. Nobody should care that Drew Carey's a huge Browns fan. No one cares. Used to be. <laughs> well, I, he's, he's, bol- he's bolted to Seattle now to go on their soccer team. Does he really? Yeah, well, he's a part owner. And uh, uh, it's going to be kind of awkward once uh, also part owner Russell Wilson and Sierra Wilson move. Yeah, move to Cleveland. <laughs> Possibly. You, Sierra is not going to go to Cleveland. No, they're going to. Sierra will go back to future so quick. That's right. She's gonna she's gonna go to New York, even if he doesn't go play for the Giants. Oh, easily. Dude, she's she's going so, to New York. She's not hanging out on Lake. So speaking of Lake Erie, did you see the overhead shots of Paul Brown Stadium that they were showing during the Bengals Raiders game? Yeah, it looked like you could perform a rodeo on top of the Ohio River. It was just dirt brown. Listen, it very quickly turned to snow white. I'll tell you that. Uh huh. You got oh, that right. No, you guys. Did you guys get snow down there? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we got like twelve straight hours of snow. Oh yeah, so did we. I didn't know if it was all of Ohio, but my you guys probably got it way snow. worse than we did being up uh, there. We ha- I can't remember how many we had, but I remember looking outside the next morning, like, oh yeah, that's more than a foot. Hmm. It was great. So Russell Wilson, you mentioned Russell Wilson. I'm glad you did. Are you do you are you in the same boat as everyone that he's one hundred percent getting traded this offseason? 
Um, because how does Seattle run that back? Well, I, well, my argument is going to be, well, what are they going to be without Russell Wilson as their quarterback? Look around Rebuilding. the league. Uh, I guess, but but right, the it thing is, is going to be a painful year next oh, year. Yeah. Oh, it's going and, to be. Seattle is not – it's going to be painful for a couple of years in Seattle because they have – for good reason, they trade away every single first-round pick is because they they were a win-now team the second Russell Wilson got there or won the starting job. They were a win-now team, and they're like, all right, first-round picks, if we can trade it for talent, we'll do that every time. Proven talent, we'll do that every time. And now they're in a position where they don't have a lot of draft capital – they made some poor deal. They traded for the Jamal Adams trade is terrible right now. Um, and you got some of these guys on the roster that you can you can trade away for assets. Fire Pete Carroll just because, you know, Pete Carroll's not going to stick around for a rebuild. And because I think the, to- the time's come for a separation, in my opinion. I just think that teams in a lot of sports – are able to like convince themselves of a rebuild, and the, and fa- and fans too. To be and I may even be speaking mostly about fans. I think it's very easy to admit that you need to partake in a rebuild. However, yeah. I think it's very difficult to keep that mentality once you see just how painful it is. So it's <laughs> if they if they get rid of Russell Wilson, it is going to be a multi year deal because. It's kind of like Deshaun Watson last year with the Texans. Like he was awesome, and they were four and twelve. Right. Russell Wilson is a very good quarterback, and yes, he had he had issues with his health this year, so he wasn't able to start mm-hmm. all the games. But uh, even the games that he did start, his record wasn't very good. So you got to understand that if you're that you are more than just a piece or two away, and if you get rid of Russell Wilson. You are going to accumulate more draft picks, which could work out, but yeah. you are also going to be setting yourself a few years back to hopefully be really good five years from now, opposed to being – you're trying to maximize your ceiling, but in order to do that, you have to cut your floor even deeper. So that yeah. is a painful place to be in. It is a high-risk, high-reward, but – Right. The problem is, is that no one's going to be satisfied if you're a borderline playoff team getting eliminated in the first round every single year. So you have to take that risk in order to keep people, in, in order to keep that hope alive, or else right. you're just going to be forever this middle of the road franchise that is now the Chicago Bears. So you, you got to keep. I guess you don't have to keep everyone interested because, I mean, you're an NFL team. There's always going to be people interested in you. But if you actually right. have true aspirations of winning championships with your ownership, then you gotta. At this point in time, if you're if you're this bad with an actual good quarterback, and and every single week I lose face lose faith in the NFL. I lose faith in the amount of good coaches and good quarterbacks there are because every single right. week I am just mentally firing everybody. So. And yes. you you do have one of the few talented, few really good quarterbacks in the NFL, and your record is still terrible. That is a like deer in the headlights spot to be in because you're just like, uh oh, like we are in a horrible spot as an organization. Yeah, and I I feel like it's hard. It's so much harder 
to enter a rebuild than it is to rebuild. Because one, because in Seattle's case, they've had for almost a decade, just shy of a decade now, I mean, just stability in the two most important spots on a team, quarterback and head coach. They've had stability through it all. And they won a lot of games. They won, they won a Super Bowl. They went to two. Uh, they were close, or I don't think they ever got back to the NFC Championship. But they've been, they've had all this stability, and now you're just going to say, "Hey, we got to head, we got to head into the unknown, and we got to trade, we got to, we got to start this over because we're not going to win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll anymore unless something drastic happens." And honestly, I don't think there's anything out there, especially this offseason, that's available. To where that could work, especially you know through the draft or whatever, through uh, free agency or trade or whatever. And it all, you also have to factor in that the guys running the team, they they need they need wins. They need to keep their jobs. So it's hard to enter. Why would I trade Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson will keep me safe here for a little bit? Yeah, and they're they're just going to be a no man's land if. And right. that's like the the ceiling is no man's land, I guess, because apparently they're not even there. They, they like they were bad, and they have, I assume, what is a top ten <laughs> pick me. that is now being drafted by the Jets because I know that they had yeah. two top ten picks. Uh, so I assume that's a Jamal Adams. Uh, yeah, draft that is pick. Jamal Adams. So now all of your failures are benefiting your competition. I mean, not that the Jets and Seahawks are in the same division or anything like that, but. Uh, I, I just th- this takes me back to the time that Colin Cowherd listed Jamal Adams as the sixth best player in the NFL. Um, when <laughs> listen, when Jamal did, Adams is very good player. It just that defense was so bad, and yeah, it's so bad that he looked. Re- he's still. I don't think he's as good as he was like during his very short peak, but that defense did him no favors. So now we're going to take a look at DK Metcalf and just feel sorry for him for the next however many years until he's able to either sign a long-term deal for many millions of dollars to convince him to stay or finally be able to get out of town because we got a couple more years of just DK Metcalf playing with, I guess, who would you, would you draft a quarterback yet? I I definitely wouldn't because if, Uh, if, if your quarter, if Russell Wilson isn't able to really pick you up many wins. I don't really see the point of drafting a rookie quarterback because he's going to have at least two or three years of just playing on a bad team in general. So his growth is going to be stunted already. So I I, I don't see how, and I guess it just depends on how far out you project to become a good team again, because you got, you really got to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, we couldn't win with Russell Wilson. Oh, we couldn't even be mediocre with Russell Wilson this year. Like, we're bad. So, yeah. you, know, you and I have discussed on this podcast how we like how we like the strategy of making the quarterback the last piece into the puzzle and then letting him grow and kind of using him to inspire all the other players you drafted to re-sign because all their contracts are going to be due up sooner. And that's kind of what the Patriots are doing right now with Mac Jones. And it took them to a competitive playoff spot. Now they weren't competitive in that game. No, uh, not once. But no, no, not for a second, actually. But I, I do think that that's a lot better than 
just, oh, well, I guess Russell Wilson is no longer the answer. Let's draft a quarterback. Well, now he's a bad, he's, he's a bad quarterback on a bad team, so you're going to be terrible. And then three years down the road, he's finally decent, but he's still kind of on a bad team because everybody else around him are rookies. Right. And now do you sign him to a second-year deal? I don't think so because everyone in the NFL now with with coaches, with players, especially like quarterbacks and draft picks, you're basically grading everybody on two years now when everybody used to get three years because everyone wants to make up their mind immediately and everyone's really overreactionary. So I think it would be – especially in this draft class, if you trade Russell Wilson between now and then, I think it would be a huge mistake to try and draft a franchise QB in the first round this year. No, I think dra- drafting a quarterback for the future is just kind of off the table in this draft. Now, teams are going to do it, like Denver, but – it shouldn't like Seattle has no business drafting a quarterback in this draft. You would have to imagine they would get some sort of quarterback back in a trade. Like for instance, uh, Cle- just Cleveland. You would have to think Baker Mayfield would go back in that trade. Or let's say Philadelphia. You would think Jalen Hurts, the Giants, Daniel Jones. Like you would get a quarterback back. You would get a quarterback. If the Browns wanted to do any PR. I think sending Baker Mayfield to Seattle and basically having him force Pete Carroll into retirement, I think would be great for the Browns to make them look like, well, you know what? We tried. We maximized his success. And, you know, it just didn't work out because there are going to be a lot of Baker Mayfield fans out there who uh, I I wonder, I, I truly wonder this because Browns fans have proven to be tremendously loyal through the years even in the dog days of of the Cleveland Browns history, uh, because we, we have seen some, All of the worst, worst, some of the worst days of Browns history in our lives, I wonder if there will be any Browns fans who, in this hypothetical, would actually trade themselves to Seattle to follow Baker Mayfield because he was the guy who finally took them, who finally got them a playoff victory. I don't know, man. There are some strange fans out there and I never thought I'd see it with as loyal as the Browns fans are. But there are some just true number six fans. And I, I wonder if it'll be anything like LeBron going to Miami, where there were a bunch of Miami Heat jerseys all of a sudden walking around my middle school. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if there will all of a sudden become some new Seattle Seahawks fans in the state of Ohio. I honestly would not doubt it. So there is Because you interact they, with all of them on Twitter all the time. You're always going at it with them. Right. And there's there's a massive Browns Twitter space that you it serves sports talk radio. Uh, it's very I encourage you to listen to it sometimes. The takes that fly off in there are <laughs> unbelievable. Just last not, did, listen, just last week somebody mentioned Joe Flacco to, to start next year for us. <laughs> somebody I mean, mentioned like, Joe. Like what? If all the other quarterbacks get COVID, then Joe Flacco comes in, or like. Uh, the amount there are a lot of Baker fans that say something along the lines of, "Well, he's pure talent, but he was just injured." Or there were, you know, winning a playoff game should not give you a contract. Is my opinion. if you're the number one overall pick, winning a single playoff game does not earn you a contract. Yeah, I would think not. 
Well, I mean, look, there are a lot of Browns fans out there who would be ponying up for a contract just because they had never seen this before. And Baker Mayfield, yeah, but just, and I, expectations I, 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 change. I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. You got to exactly expectations change. You now have new standards for yourself because you see how good the defense is, and you want your offense to now match your defense's talent. And number six is a big reason why your offense hasn't been able to do that this season. So I, I'm with you. I I think that you're in the position now. As weird as it feels for Browns fans, you got to have higher standards for yourself. Right. And those standards, I mean, they went from point A or you know from here to like a hundred miles up because. When we won that playoff game, we were that close to beating Kansas City, too. Like, we were the most bet-on team to win the Super Bowl this year. That's that's how crazy – that's how much – that's the expectations that were on Cleveland. <laughs> and we're going to – we're going to – Baker Mayfield's going to retake us there? He, has, he hasn't proven it. It's like all of Cleveland Browns fans just got released from jail and forgot how to act out in society. When – I, I, I couldn't possibly count the amount of quarterbacks that would have won the AFC North with Cleveland this year. Oh, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. I said I we mentioned this last time in one of our lost episodes that I now have, but they're useless to post. Um, that, but um. I, I got a quarterback for you, I think, would have won the division. Oh, and you're going to hate this. The low, yeah, the lowest. Um, I said Mitch Trubisky, honestly. Um, oh, my I, I, <laughs> I, I, And that's the same exact reaction you had. Because Mitch Trubisky would have done just enough. He would have done <laughs> just – maybe not win the AFC North with Mitch Trubisky, but it would be close. Like, that Browns-Bengals Week 18 game could probably would have decided it. Well, I'll tell you this. His problem in Chicago, aside from – not being great at throwing the ball deep down the field. His problem really, is that he Matt had Nagy zero running game. Yeah, and Matt Nagy, if you, all these reports are coming out that Matt Nagy just despised him, Mitch Trubisky. And all of Chicago despises Matt Nagy. Did you see that they that there was a fire Nagy chant at his son's like high school basketball game? That's That's <laughs> a little – I mean – no, I don't. If it was a weight game, I would understand to get under his head, but yeah. Now look, <laughs> I I do encourage that in a professional setting, such as a Blackhawks game or a Bulls game, where fire naggy chants have uh, broken out many times. But at his son's high school game, I mean, that's not the kid's fault. Come on. Mike Brown came to uh, one of my old high school games. The former so, Cavs coach. So look at who. His son went because that was his second stint in Cleveland. Remember, he did that one year, uh, the year before LeBron, and then was fired immediately because LeBron said absolutely not. <laughs> um, his son, his son went to a rival high school of mine. No way, that's pretty cool. Westlake, we're Westlake, most oh, notably yeah, known yeah. for the Paul we brothers. Know, we know who, yeah, of course, Jake and uh, Jake and Logan, Those are the best boxers in the world, apparently. Uh, yeah, well, one of them is Jake the other made one. Thirty million dollars boxing this last year. Uh, I what, what's Logan up to? I feel like he fought Floyd May. Well, he like leaned. Apparently, he bought fake Pokemon cards or something. He got scammed uh, out of like four million dollars on fake Pokemon cards or something. What I need right now is a Darren Ravel Logan Paul interview discussing the Ooh. legitimacy of Pokemon cards 
as well as not uh, they could talk and, about any I could I would listen to them talk about any subject. But it was Martin Luther King known for his autographs? Where are all these where's all this signed Martin Luther King memorabilia coming from? I don't that that is 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 that what is that what reverends were doing back in the day? I know that athletes signed autographs, but I didn't know that people were running up to Martin Luther King and saying, "Hey, please autograph my my uh, replica copy of the I Have a Dream speech." Like I, I, I yeah. was not aware that there was mem- there was Martin Luther King memorabilia, memorabilia. Why can't I say that word? Memorabilia at the time that he was alive. I can see it now because it's a completely Listen, different. Listen, there's day a lot age. of weird stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff people collect. Our friend Darren Ravel, who we were just talking about, has a Hugh Hefner Viagra bottle. Oh, I did see that. That was weird. That was that, weird. That's just deplorable. Uh, I was not aware that MLK was ahead of the curve and was signing a bunch of name, image, and likeness deals long before these college athletes were. Oh, Darren Ravel would have had an article, a think piece you wouldn't believe about that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Goddamn, exactly. these amateurs making money. Yeah, the Texas A&M's boosters would have put together $10 million to come have them give a speech on campus. College, but yeah. <laughs> All right, any other games that we thought were interesting? The Eagles were terrible, shockingly. No, yeah, say, they were really terrible. I say that, say that sarcastically. I didn't hear you. What would you say? I, I said I'd say that entirely sarcastically because they were – because to no one's surprise, they were terrible. Um, I mean – Troy, Troy Aikman was begging the Eagles. He was on his hands and knees pleading to the Eagles to get the ball to Devonta Smith, and they just wouldn't do it. I, I don't know, man. Nick Sirianni, I guess, he made the playoffs in his first year okay. Um, I, I didn't think much of him coming into this year because I had no idea who he was, and I still think that they were complete frauds making the playoffs this year. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe playing a bunch of games against the Washington football team and the New York Giants gave him a, a few wins, but uh, whatever. I I don't know how they found their way in the play. The alternate would have been the New Orleans Saints, which would have been somehow oh, just God. as bad. Taysom Hill, the are NFC you kidding me? Is terrible. And this was the the league at least over the past few. Man, there was, a few years ago, it was like the Saints and the Rams and the Packers and the Forty Nine all to get like. We had yeah. like the beasts of the NFC basically just these records. while the while the Chiefs were just waiting to find out who they played in the Super Bowl, and now it's and, and I hate to say this now the Chiefs are waiting to find out who they play in the Super Bowl, and it's down to two teams. It's gonna well, actually I'm gonna say it's down to two teams: the Buccaneers oh. and the and the uh, the Packers. I don't trust Matt Stafford because I I saw too many pick sixes out of him this year, and it just so happened <laughs> that he played a quarterback this week who saw him play this year and said, you know what, all those pick sixes looked fun. Let me just play jackpot, and this <laughs> this quarterback's going to have a three yard pick six. Yeah, I, Kyler Murray I, is I, not that good. He, I I think it's Cliff Kingsbury. I. Just if there is a stat that came out today, I don't, I don't remember the numbers off my top end, off the top of my head, but it goes something like this: like the pat the first three years in Arizona, he's lost like five out of the last seven every year to end the season. Yeah, I 
I, yeah, Ky- Kyler Murray, he's very hit or miss with me. I remember we were ready to crown him after week one, but mm-hmm. that obviously didn't work. I st- the Rams were my postseason pick, or my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl, so I'm going to stick with them. But I, I don't know if anybody's beating the Packers. And on the AFC, I think every one of these teams has a shot, honestly. Even Cincinnati, uh, I think. Man, it's so hard. I, oh, it's so hard for me to buy into the Bengals just no, because they're they, so, all their talent's so young. Yeah, but t- Cincinnati would need like Joe Burrow. It would need to be the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase show, like amplified, to make to make that kind of run. I think they're super close. They need help on the offensive line, obviously, but it would need to be something spe- like like Joe Flacco's like season when he led them to the Super Bowl, where he threw like no interception. Joe Burrow would need to do something like that. It's just hard for me to believe in the NFL. Which you that, can. Yeah. But it's hard for me to believe in the NFL that your first breakthrough can be a Super Bowl victory. It, to right. me, it's like you get you make a deep run in the playoffs. You get your name out there. Uh, it, it's like it's like some people who like run for president knowing they won't win just to kind of like get their name out there. And so people are familiar with right. them. So then the next election, four years later – People kind oh, yeah, of have okay. more of a background on them. So, like, I mean, that's what a lot of people thought, like, John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, they thought that, like, that might be what he was doing when he ran for president however many years ago. So uh, that's kind of what I think of the NFL. Like, you got to you gotta get in and get your name out there before you can really compete for and win it all. Like, the Chiefs, uh, they, they made the AFC Championship game, lost to the Patriots in that overtime thriller in 2017. And then that was kind of their, like, all right, now you're in the party, and now next year you can do something. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl, and then the year after right. that, losing the Super Bowl, and you know, yada yada yada. Now they're just incredible. So I think that it's it's so hard for me to imagine. And Big Ben's rookie year, as good as they were, fifteen and one, made it to the AFC Championship game, but they lost. It's just so hard for me to imagine that your first time finally, like, really, really doing something and have a lot of success ends up in a Super Bowl. I think that. You got you're gonna fall at some point, but I think right. this is a little precursor for what's to come in the future because uh, I, I still think they have some work to do on the offensive line and possibly oh, the yeah. defense. Although both are vastly improved from where they've been, but right. I, I just I can't buy into the first time that they start to sniff a little success, they just put it all together immediately. I, I think that they I think that they're still building, but. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Bengals because they ex- tremendously exceeded expectations this year. But oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I I can't I just I I refuse to consider them Super Bowl contenders uh, just yet. Yeah, I, that defense is a real problem. That offensive line is a real problem. They gave up 460 points this year, or uh, they got 376 points. So, which is actually better than I thought. I was looking at points for, but. Since, since I, they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but if they went to the Super Bowl or made a run to the AFC Championship game, that like they wouldn't surprise me because I think I don't know how you stop Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase right now. But between the Bills, Chiefs, and Titans, with the Titans with Derrick Henry back, mind you, and rested, who who do you think is the most likely? Because I don't know. Uh, Bills, Chiefs, Titans. I gotta say the Chiefs, and it's just so obnoxious I, that this team won't go away. I, 
I can't see the Bills beating them this week. Uh, wait, is that who they play? Seven straight touchdowns, man. I don't know. Uh, the on the number uh, one defense in the NFL, like across the board, the number one defense in the NFL. Uh, well, last year was by far Josh Allen's best year. We gotta we gotta have a right. conversation about him. He's had one big Uh-oh. year out of four, and oh, everyone brother. still thinks that he's incredible. But, um. Yeah, year two was not nearly as good as everyone thought he was, even though, okay, everybody heading into year three was right because last year he was almost the MVP. But this year, a little bit shaky. I it's last that, year, was, Everyone thought that the Bills and the Chiefs could have been like a Super Bowl-esque matchup, and it really wasn't that close. So I just – I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I'm going with the Chiefs, although I do love the fact that – should the Titans be able to handle the Bengals this week, that they do have to travel to Nashville because I, I we talked about this on a previous podcast about how I think that the Chiefs have a tremendous home field advantage. Um, right, they just yeah. have a very, very rowdy crowd. I think they, they broke, broke the record for, like, the loudest stadium ever. That would not surprise me one bit. Like, they were actively trying to set it, but it's still, like, they're very – they're known to be oh, loud oh, there. Oh, well, okay, you, you mentioned a Mickey Mouse organization. How about that? Do you remember that one time that the Cavaliers set the record for the most uh, the most people wearing Snuggies in the building at one time because they laid them out for all the fans? Listen, I dare you to find a picture of a room with more Snuggies in it. Well, listen up, Okay. Those are many. We don't hang many records. banners here. <laughs> well, you know what? You should have lifted a banner for that. Lifted a snuggie. <laughs> yeah, have a snuggie hanging from the Raptors. Uh, you know, it's a good thing that you broke that record when you did because people stopped caring about snuggies about two months later. So, I, excellent job by the artist formerly known as Quick and Loans Arena. Um, <laughs> Rip. Uh, don't even remember what I was talking about, but, um, oh, Chiefs have to go to Nashville, which is much more right. preferred from my end. Um, again, as a busing with the, busing with the, bo- not busing, it's not busing, it's bus in, busing with the boys enthusiast. I am leaning with the Titans, uh, the rest of the way. Now <laughs> I have a tremendous concern about the health of Derrick Henry, because I think this is kind of like, uh, the seal, the seal broke on his success as a running back because one injury started, and now I'm just Cold waiting loss. for all. I'm just waiting for all of them to start piling up after this. Um, pardon my cynicism and my skepticism, but now that he's had one injury, which we were all looking at him amazingly, like, dude, you're six four and two, like two hundred fifty pounds. You're a bowling ball. Like it's amazing. Like you're running for all these yards, and you don't even get hurt. Well, uh, eventually it happened. And the the curse of the running back is that when they get used a lot, uh, they get ran into the ground and their bodies just break down on them frequently. So I am skeptical. And if it doesn't happen this year, uh, it may just happen next year, which I guess hopefully for them that it's in the regular season, maybe they can make the playoffs without them again. But very, very crucial that the Titans were able to pull off the number one seed so they can get the extra bye. Um, although there was – uh, he was already practicing, I think, during week 18. So he's been practicing for a couple weeks. So he'll sh- he should be ready to go. But I am very, very, very nervous about his sustainability moving forward because I've seen one injury out of him, and now I'm incredibly gun-shy. But 
I, I still got to go with the Chiefs just because it's I've I've seen it too many times. Right. It's kind of like I, I don't want to say that they're the Patriots or they're Tom or Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady because they did it for two decades and the Chiefs are doing it for three or four years. So that's not the same thing. But it's just worn me down to the point where it's like it's kind of like Ohio State, Michigan, actually. Like I, I won't believe it till I see it that someone else is going to win. And I, we hey man, well, we saw it this year, so you know what? This might be the year, and I would gladly have it be anybody else other than Kansas City. Uh, but until then, I am going to begrudgingly uh, cast my vote as the, the Kansas City Chiefs to be the likely I, I champion. I am such a massive fan of Patrick Mahomes that if the Browns aren't competitive and aren't in a position to win the Super Bowl, I kind of want Patrick Mahomes to just rack up the accolades. I kind of want him to just like be the most insane quarterback of all time. I can't believe you're saying that because the Chiefs stole a little something from the Browns last year. Yeah, well, Chad Henney did. Not I, I, should, I shouldn't say stole, um, but they 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 took your heart out of your chest and just threw it on the ground and stomped on it because that was that was a close game that you guys almost went to the AFC Championship. That for. was that was the first time I've experienced like true Browns heartache. Like like what my parents did because my mom was at the drive. So speaking of which, that was yeah. I, I will uh, point out that we have the largest audience we've ever had, L- largest live audience. I that's not say. true. That's not true. No, I can't I remember, that- but we've had more than this. But um, we're also an hour and fifteen in, so we'll wrap this up here in a minute. But this was like the fr- that was the first true Browns heartache that I've experienced, and I think it broke me. Because I, I now like, I don't really care anymore. Just, just try, just please win while I'm alive. If not, whatever. You <laughs> said that as a 23 year old. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, this 23 year old threw out his back shoveling snow, and <laughs> has the most amount of gray hairs a 23 year old has ever had. <laughs> well, hey man, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, so the only thing saving me from my gray hairs is the MLB lockout. So. I, oh, I can... My team blew a three-one lead in the World Series. <laughs> hey man, oh well, I hate the Cubs just the same because they because Kyle Schwarber hit a ball to the moon in the wild card game, and I listen I, that is... every time I blink, that ball just travels a little bit farther. That was the most. That was the furthest hit ball I think ever. That ball crossed the Allegheny River. <laughs> Oh my! I do want goodness. the Pirates to be good because that was such a. They have a great playoff atmosphere. Yeah, and um, that's the only atmosphere we have because if you go to PNC Park, PNC Park is one of those beautiful places on earth until you look down and watch what's taking oh, place on the field. Um, I, I am so glad that Javi Baez is playing in the AL Central now, so maybe your team can be confused oh, when yeah, he runs from Tigers. first place to home plate. From first base to home plate. Um, I would absolutely yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, the Guardians. Now, whoever your first baseman is can chase him all the way back to home plate. Who the hell um, is our first? God damn, who the hell is? <laughs> I, I, the reason I say that is because I have no idea. So I was waiting for you to. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Josh Naylor is going to be healthy enough. Uh, oh, uh, I meant to. I meant to bring this up, and obviously we are not prepared for anyway. this now. But I was. I was right. taking a walk today, and I was just thinking of like. I was thinking of the podcast, and I'm like, well, we're obviously going to talk about the NFL. Um, 
We have, and it is the season, DJ, for MLB oh. Hall of Fame voting. Oh, brother. Oh. I want to talk about a waste of time. <laughs> What's that? Lord. Who, well, I don't man. even, I, all I know is Ortiz is going to get in, and I think that's, who else is on it? All right, so is I. Is A-Rod did, on it this year? Uh, Yes. Hall of Fame. I, I believe so. There's like 22 names. I, I may have just made up that so number entirely, but I here, here, for some I'll reason give, I feel like there are 22 names. I'll give the guys who are have percentage and then the first year guys, which is the rest. So, uh, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Scott Rowland, Omar. Uh, he's definitely not getting in anymore. Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, <laughs> Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Rivera, Sammy Sosa, Andy Pettit, Mark Burley. Uh, the newcomers, we got A-Rod, Ortiz, Mark Deshera, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake PV, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan, Jonathan Papelbon, A.J. Pierzynski, and Ryan Howard. A.J. Pierzynski made me want to puke. That guy always killed Cleveland. Uh, I think a lot of people hate him. I'm not quite sure why, but I just uh, – I'm not sure if he's that great of a guy. I just – A-Rod and Ortiz, they got to be is, the only two. How is Mark Burley still on the ballot? How has he not gotten less than 5%? It's his second year on the ballot. Uh, this is going to be his second year on the ballot. His first year, he got 11% of the vote. I Who's think- voting for him? Hawk Harrelson? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, did you know Hawk Harrison's a former player? I did not yeah. know that he was a former player turned play-by-play guy. That is so rare oh, yeah. in sports broadcasting. Oh, yeah. He was well, – it's not that rare. Uh, for, no, to go to play-by-play? Oh, play, yeah. I feel like that's rare. Wait a minute. The only, guy, the only other guy I can think of to be a former player to get, turn play-by-play is Dan Fouts. Who was play play, the that, worst play-by-play play guy I have ever heard in my life? A play-by-play play guy of that stature, like a Hawk Harrelson, he's got to be the only one. But uh, I, something I'd have to look at. A Rod, Mark Teixeira, absolutely not. Jimmy Rollins, no. Like no, it's A Rod and or uh, yeah, A Rod and Ortiz. At least Jimmy Rollins won an MVP, and uh, I mean. So I don't want to just brush him aside like, oh, no. Uh, Bobby Abreu is on there, who once upon a time was very, very awesome. But, I mean, get real. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, Jim, Jimmy Rollins. Um, Hall of very good for three years. Or, like, what, five? I don't remember the career of Jimmy yeah, Rollins but, all that much. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Rollins, you cannot be a singles hitter and have your career average be 264 and get in the Hall of Fame. Oh, brother. That, well, he probably – that, he probably tanked his average, like, later in his career. But still, yeah, your point stands. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, Carl Crawford, I know this is not his first year on the ballot, so I don't know it what is. he's doing. It is? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. You did mention that. Um, yeah, uh, he ended his career. I mean, dude, All these guys ended their career with the Dodgers. Jimmy Rollins ended his career with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, Chase Utley, whenever he he will eventually be on the ballot. Um, he ended his career with the Dodgers. Jimmy Rollins, or all these guys ending their career with the Dodgers, and Carl Crawford's no different. Yeah. But cool. he he like wasn't even a starter to end his career. He played nah, thirty games. Name, let's see. 
30 games in 2016, 69 games in 2015, nice. Like, he was really good his first eight years, I guess. The, but man, the only year he didn't start was his last year with Chicago. Uh, Before who, that, he... I'm talking about he, Carl Crawford. Oh, I thought you said Jimmy Rollins. My bad. How about this, man? Carl Crawford. These are his stolen base totals in in his first however many full seasons. 55, 59, 46, 58, 50, 60, 47. That is just not seen. No. That's – yeah, are any of these young guys really great base dealers right now? Because Hamilton's not even great. Yeah. It's always somebody like random now that leads the league in steals. Like Rajai Davis, I think, did when he was with Cleveland. Like somebody okay. like that. It's always somebody like that now. Since we started talking about stolen bases, I just put up Billy Hamilton on my uh, uh, baseball oh reference. Oh, God, what a delight. Look at his photo and tell me he's not in witness protection. Huh. Uh, even Billy Hamilton's not stealing bases anymore, and he's our great. He's oh barely seeing the field, but oh my! I, I look at him. Uh, that's that's a disguise. <laughs> that's a that's a Drake beard with. I, I don't even know whose hair, but Billy Hamilton, fifty six stolen bases, fifty seven, fifty eight, fifty nine, and then just thirty four, twenty two, eighteen, blah blah blah. Like I, I know that he's not seeing the field much anymore. But right. I mean, come on! Like he is—is yeah. is he the fastest player we've ever seen in our lives? Probably. Billy Hamilton, Pro- Trey Turner's pretty damn close. That dude is fast. Yeah, that dude can fly too. And I, I don't even think of—I don't think of stolen bases when I think. I of think him. Billy Billy Hamilton was like a very, not very, but he was a pretty high like prospect. And I think that was like the reason why, because he was. I think I I Frank I vividly remember them talking about how he could, if he pans out if he pans out and has a nice career like from the plate that he might break the steal record. Uh, what a disgrace this is, by the way. Trey Turner led this year in stolen bases, uh, led the league in stolen bases this year with thirty-two stolen bases. That is he led the NL. He led the NL because oh. Starling Marte won it. Oh, uh, why did he ever do that in Pittsburgh? Come on, did it with. He was with. He got Oakland. traded to Miami during the season, yeah. Uh, no, that was last year, and now he's with Oakland, I think. Holy! Nah, I think it was, he definitely got traded. He did. Get oh tra- no, he uh, did get traded to Oakland. Yeah, it was. Um, so he was. I thought it was the was, other way he around. Went to, the Diamondbacks were mixed in there somewhere because he got traded twice. He got traded back to back years. He signed with the. Diamondbacks last year to start the season. They got traded to Miami. So they started this year with Miami, then got traded to Oakland. I That's that's hmm. off the top of my head. But he definitely got traded twice in back-to-back seasons. Who am I thinking? Who did Oakland trade this year? Uh, I swear wow. to God, they traded. Who? They, they did. They, they traded for Charlie Marte. I'll tell you who they traded who was involved in that trade. I thought they uh, traded a big guy this year. 
they traded like the well. So like, what? The, there's not this guy, but they traded Jesus Lazardo. That's um, right. That's right. That's who I was thinking of. Are you serious? Who is that? He, he's a pitcher. I I couldn't. I could. I knew they traded somebody of note from that team. He's a relief pitcher. I think he was pretty bad with Oakland, though. Uh, I, I don't. Anyway, know. I, I don't pay much attention to the A's. My baseball has been so off my mind for months right now. Yeah, dude. It's and the lockout isn't helping because no, did you not see at all. They, they just met for the very first time in like a month, and it was like a two-hour yeah, meeting. And I'm sure they accomplished nothing. It is the biggest temper tantrum I've ever seen. There's, they're not going anywhere with this stuff. And allegedly, pitchers and catchers are reporting in six weeks, which will not happen. But yeah. I, I'm not one of these guys who gets really riled up by spring training and blah, blah, blah. Although, I do acknowledge that whenever they do get to this point where the season is going to be starting up, they're probably going to have somewhat of a preseason to you know, dust off the cobwebs. Right. So I... I get. I'm partially rooting for uh, rooting for spring training to start, not because I have any care of watching it, but just because I know that that's probably the first step that needs to be taken before the season starts. So I don't know. At some point, I know that everyone says that baseball is a dying business. I mean, like, come on, the Royals just sold for a billion dollars two years ago. It's not dying. But yeah, the Guardians just sold a major or not a majority stake, but a good chunk. To the point where that guy's eventually going to buy him out. He was co-owner of the 76ers. Any idea how much money? I can't remember, but I remember he he bought like 38% of the team or something. Well, look, there are a lot of people interested in getting in business with baseball because it's going to be making money. The sport's not dying. Um, I know that like people like to be dramatic. You remember a few years ago? Well, not a few. It was more than a few. But when the concussion stuff really started to amp up in the NFL, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, football's not going to be around in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you remember the, exactly. So this is just overdramatic stuff, and football will be here. Baseball will be here. Um, now, the prices for everything just might be increased, which is incredibly likely. Um, yes. I, I, I don't recall as a child going on to MLBshop.com and seeing a hat be $35. But you know what? And forty five dollars in the building, I might add, but you know, whatever. So, I just so badly when the lockout ends. You know how, like, when NBA free agency starts, like the second it starts, there's like twenty straight deals that get announced. Yes, I want. I want it to be like that. Just like the second the lockout ends, Clayton Kershaw signs, Chris Bryant signs, Freddie Freeman signs, Matt Carpenter, all these guys signed. Yeah, Spencer Rattler has his logo drop at midnight of the NIL legalization date. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> just whip something up real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably cost that. him thirty thousand dollars. Some I drew. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But baseball will be here uh, eventually. Eventually, the both sides are going to get tired of losing money, and someone's going to cave. Now, it it may be unfortunate and it may like really damage this season but baseball will soon return back to normal i'm not one of these guys and it's because i'm not like a casual baseball fan i am a baseball fan so you and i 
I don't think are going to be so offended by a lockout that we're just going to stop watching baseball and our, our taste for baseball is going to evaporate. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, no, not it, at all. It, it definitely will for like casual fans. So it's they're they're definitely hurting their sport by doing this. But I, I'm whenever baseball comes back, I'm going to be excited to watch it. Um, that may not be soon though. So do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Um, I never gave my AFC pick, so I'm going with the Bills. Oh, um, I just got sidetracked not... with Carl Crawford and Jimmy Rollins. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I wouldn't hate that. I uh, Titans, Bills, wh- whatever. That's fine with me. Um, although you, you're, you're definitely not a tier one. That's all I gotta say. You're not a tier one if uh, no. you're not picking the Titans. That's all I'm saying. Hey now. All right, uh, we're gonna head out of here. We got more football coming up next week, of course, as we wind down. Eventually, I guess we'll pretend to care about the NBA. Um, Listen, I'm I, caring about my Cavs very much. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, we'll have we'll two have, and a half out of the first seed. Play the Bulls tomorrow, the number one seed. All right, then you know what? Next week we'll have a, a mid-season Cavs update since uh, we've speak, spoken very little of them this year. You whooped up the nuts. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Nets are currently shaking. <laughs> Wait, did he play in Cleveland? Yeah, they played at three o'clock yesterday. Oh my goodness, was there some sort they of had, pregame it was ceremony? MLK Day. It was MLK Day, so the NBA had games from twelve o'clock on, from noon on. Uh, that makes that adds up. It was the white ball. I was just watching basketball during work. Exactly. When you're not watching Pat McAfee. Yeah. All right, we got a NB, uh, we got a midseason Cavaliers report coming next week from DJ. We will also be doing um, possibly a, a more in depth analysis of the MLB Hall of Fame ballot. I know that DJ is on mm, the possibly not possibly not. No, it's it's going to be Ortiz and A Rod. Uh, there's I don't think A Rod's getting in. All right, anyway, not trying not trying to get sidetracked. If we get to it, we get to it. If we don't, we don't. But we're definitely going to be talking some football next week as the yeah. playoffs continue. Uh, it'll be cool next week. Packers with the Titans I back in action and see what they're up to. So uh, that's what's coming up next week. Until then, everybody take care of yourselves. Peace.